Curtis being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. The 53 is in. The champions have been named for now. Welcome to the Thunder Down Under Chargers football podcast. Andy Prophet here. I am joined, as always, by Jack Reed. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Just another week in paradise. That's the way. And Alistair Lloyd. Good to see you, mate. Thanks for joining both fellas. Now, Alistair, I believe you have something to get off your chest before we go any further. So the floor is yours. I do indeed. And I've just prepared a little statement. Dear listeners... On last week's episode, I slandered the reputation and tarnished the good standing of my friend Adam, who's a passionate, unbiased and very fair supporter of his football team, Carlton. My legal representatives have advised me to withdraw those remarks, and on their advice, I withdraw them. Adam never blames injuries for his team's perennial poor results, nor does he use them as an excuse for their weekly losses. Adam is a great chef, has a likeable dog, Dante, and if you're ever in Melbourne, you should certainly visit his restaurants, Dom's Social Club and Dexter. I won't be answering any further questions about this issue at this time, and only hope that the next time Carlton faces my team, Collingwood, both teams are at full strength, so we can finally see if Paddy Dow, Oscar McDonald or Alex Mirkov might be the difference such that Carlton actually wins one of these games someday. <laughs> Respectfully, yours, Al. Okay, Dan. Bit of friend and AFL chat for the listeners there and to our good friend Adam. Oh, that Apology was, good. was due. Didn't deserve to have a swipe at you like that last week. Shout out once more to you guys out there, our listeners near and far. Thanks very much for your continued support. Please do us a solid uh, hit the like and subscribe button if you haven't already. Really does help a lot and we appreciate you. So as I said, the 53-man roster has been named and, and changed a little bit. Um, since then, uh, mm. and we're keen as anything to sink our teeth into that. Also on today's show, Alistair's whipped up a little segment of his own, a bit of fun, a bit of community sort of interaction at the to cap the end of the show off. And we're a few days uh, past a 27-10 defeat to the New Orleans Saints. The last preseason game, so guys, let's let's break this one down through the groupings. I'll get us starting started off with the passing offense. So the non-competition, you play a half, I play a half, duo of uh, Chase Daniel and Easton Stick went 19 of 28 for 187 yards, zero TDs, zero interceptions, almost a 70% completion percentage, largely thanks to Chase Daniel as Stick went 9 of 17, zero turnover worthy plays, uh, but as I said last week, no competition here. And there was nothing really exciting. The line didn't really help uh, too much. And well, oh, before I give, before I just say it all, Jack, Jack, give me something from the the passing offense. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit like you, really. There's sort of not much to say. I had the quarterbacks last week, so uh, yeah. I mean, we know that Stick and 
Daniel have both made the squad and whatever that means and a lot of people have been chastising it some people say it's fine ultimately I think I heard it well put today I can't remember I think it was uh, money on the Chargers pod he said the quarterback likes the room keep it the same so it is what it is. Yeah. We weren't expecting anything else. The Saints were playing a bunch of their starters in the first and second quarters. There was not going to be much hope for either of them to do much. Al, anything from you? Yeah. Uh, good to see a couple of individual performances, I guess. I thought at least Jalen Guyton had his moment in the sun. We've been waiting for that to happen in a game. And I do like the way he... He's all business. He doesn't kind of over-celebrate after he catches the ball. He kind of just jogs straight back to the line of scrimmage. And that was a really nice burst of speed and catch over his shoulder there. So good for him to make a play. And it was nice to see Trey Pipkins more than holding his own lined up against Cameron Jordan, who's been one of Mm. the great pass rushers of the last decade. And I know it was only eight snaps, but, you know, there are incremental signs of improvement from Pipkins. So for the pass offense, that's really what... Stood out to me, and it was good to see Chase Daniel kind of let it rip a little bit. That was clearly his best game I've seen as a Charger. And, yeah, uh, yeah unfortunately, Stick was back to being Stick. But, as Jack said, it keeps Herbert comfortable, lets him sleep well at night. So, if Herbert's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, I, th- I actually, I'll um, I'll second that. I thought Pipkins and both, actually, Solia uh, did, you know... I, watching it on tape, they pass blocked really well. The run blocking was something to be left um, to be sort of focused on or less focused on. But I thought both of them, yeah, uh, Pipkins, yeah, eight snaps, not many. But Solia was actually quite good in the in the pass blocking too. So well done. And, um, you know, we can't, uh, you know, this is a broken record, but Zion Johnson, man, the guy's built in a lab. That's what I heard this week. He's, he's lost a lot of weight, I, I feel, and he's just turned it into pure muscle. That's yeah. going to be fun to watch. We say it every week, but so good. So, so good that he's played all three games, no injuries, and he's clearly improving each time he gets out there. Lovely. Phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon Jaimez was a little bit disappointing, actually, in pass protection. Three yeah. hurries. Uh, obviously, has done enough. Uh, on the line in second and third teams reps and on special teams to land himself a spot. All right. Uh, we... Very much look forward to watching number 10 under centre in a little over a week's Please. time. Please. Itching. It's about time. Itching. All right, Jack, the rushing offence. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the only thing I think to, to focus on, Kelly, six for 40 yards, and I think that hurdle of Marcus May was, mm. was incredible to see. Fantastic athleticism. And you know what? We go back a couple of weeks and we say that Ekela has been saying to, you know, who's going to step up and grasp that number two? I truly believe, and we'll get into the Sonny Michelle signing a little later, uh, but I truly believe he is the number two. So well done, young man. Really, really well done. You've done it. The pop's there. The speed's there. The power's there. You've done it. So you should be, he should be very, very proud. And uh, the running back room is looking deadly. I want to double down on that. It it might be as marked a transformation between one year to the next. I can, you know, immediately recall of a Chargers player other than, you know, Chris Rumpf is almost doing the same thing himself. Mm. But, but it's more, you don't often see these ones where someone looks like they're not up to the level and they're going to get cut. And then, you know, through sheer hard work and clearly he's changed his body significantly. He looks like he's faster, stronger. Mm. That hurdle was legit, legitimately impressive. He, would, yeah. he flew over that uh, defensive back. So I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to seeing him. I don't know what his role will be. As you said, maybe we can debate that a bit later, how he'll be used, where he'll fall in the depth chart. 
But I don't want to speak about any of these other running backs because Josh Kelly's deserved it all preseason for his outstanding work. Yeah, here, he here. followed up. He followed up with a bit of good chat uh, on the sideline. I think maybe at halftime or something. Just going, oh, no, I've done it a fair few times before, so I was pretty confident that I could just jump over that guy. And it formed a nice little battle between, um, well, Marcus May on run defense and mm. our uh, our rushes. All right. That's the uh, same for me. Run blocking, I thought, was pretty average as a whole, but Zion Johnson was once again right up there. Yep, on, on the um, round three touchdown. Oh, yeah. Right behind him. Yeah. He's looking good. He's coming real good. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much a, an offense that just couldn't really do a whole lot. Uh, and it was kind of worse to watch than the week two game. Uh, moving on to the defense, Al, the, the passing defense and pass rush. Yeah, it wasn't a great uh, showing. They, they conceded mm. 205 yards through the air on 24 attempts, so eight and a half per attempt, which is a, a strong offensive performance. Yeah. Early days, it was it's difficult to form an assessment when the Saints had their full starting lineup in. On the Chargers' side of the ball, I, off the top of my head, I don't think there was a single starter, so that's a significant difference, and it, it showed. Uh, Winston yeah. looked sharp. Alave, Landry, I mean, they, these guys are in a different class. Of course they And, you know, yeah. Jasir Taylor yeah. had a slight, you know, coming to earth moment, you know, where, where he's been quite impressive the first two games. He was caught out of position a little bit or on a couple of occasions. Mm. Not in a tra- tragic way, but, you know, his opponent caught a couple of balls. Um, and I thought in terms of, you know, pass rush, stopping the pass, I thought it actually was another relatively good showing from Carlo Kemp. And we'll mm. get to, you know, what's happened with him later. But, you know, he nearly sacked Jameis right at the start. Again, yeah. there was more of these almost plays. But he's just showing a bit. He's looking he's looking okay, Carlo Kemp. So I'm mm. glad that Good we stashed him. Uh, yeah. yeah, otherwise, what any, anything else that stood out to either of you two, Andy? Um, uh, a bunch of missed tackles still in coverage. Yeah. I think we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Mm. Ben DeLuca was probably one of the... The best in pass coverage, which sort of says something about your day. But like like I'll say about the run defense in a minute, um, it was just a total like smack for New Orleans. And, you know, it's preseason, do whatever you want. Um, they come out with their first offense to just sort of give them a run through, and it's our third string. And we've spoken about players looking like, like rookies, Jasir Taylor in particular, looking like he's... It, the, the game isn't too fast for him. Well, the ga- the backup of the game isn't too fast for him. And like you said, I think he took a little bit step back. Um, JT Woods, once again, still sort of just struggling a bit. And it's, we'll um, get to him. We'll get to him indeed. Uh, but yeah, look. Um, Braden Fahoko, not too bad in the, in the pass rush. Uh, a little bit there, but... Not much more for me. So moving on to the run defense, unless Jack, you've got anything. Uh, no, I mean, I was going to talk about, uh, yeah, our third round pick JT Woods in terms of tackling and, and, the, and the Mark Ingram uh, missed tackle and the, the one from Marquez Calloway. Uh, well, let's if, talk about but, JT Woods then. Why don't we talk about yeah. him now? Well, what, yeah. what, how are you feeling about JT Woods at this, this point of the season? Jack? Oh, for me, it, it feels like a bit of a luxury pick from from Staley. Uh, a, th- a third rounder, I, I don't no, When think it doesn't work, physical. we say it's Telesco who made the pick. <laughs> you know the drill. Uh, I just think with the tackling we've seen from him at a 
at an NFL level, whether it's first, you know, first teamers or second and third stringers, is clearly his body's just not ready for it. The endeavors there, the speeds there, I think the readings there, uh, you know, his his mental aptitude. But I, I think there's going to be some time in the gym, um, and I don't mm. think we're going to see some of those some of those the flashes that we saw in college probably for another eighteen to twenty four months. I would say. Me too. I there's, think I think there's, there's a bit of work to be done there. Yeah, absolutely. But, I th- I... Sorry. I was just going to say we've we've d- done the same the same journey with Nasir Adderley and I think he sort of started to turn a corner last year you could say and you, you're expecting more of a a rise from him so you know may as well. It's a great point. It's give him give very him a couple similar. of years in the oven and then when Adderley's contract up, we're already paying a safety twenty mil. Um, we yeah. need to keep this guy on a rookie. I think there's a difference between be- being fast and playing fast. And what you really want is to be using your speed to get into the position early because your instincts are good. And yeah. what I'm seeing for J- from JT Woods, he's coming flying off the screen. And the result of that, he looks like he's playing out of control because he's picked it up late. And then he's using his elite, elite speed to try to get to the right spot. But he's arriving there out of control rather than getting there early with that speed and then being in prime position to make the tackle. So you can see him thinking out there, I agree with Jack, that the endeavour's clearly there. He's working his mm. tail off, but you're seeing missed tackles, you're seeing flying around, looking a bit out of control. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, we might see, and we'll come to this, we might see some kind of a signing at that spot in the next few days. That group is now looking pretty thin, in my opinion. We're a Derwin away, injury away. shouldn't ever say that, but we're an injury to a one safety away from... Lacking depth. Yeah, hmm. I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Any more on JT? No, no just, no. just, yeah, we're just gonna have to wait. All right, the run defense. Um, yeah, like I said about the the pass protection, their first team offensive line just mauled us in the run defense, and um, Ingram, you know, stomped in for a couple of scores. Even towards the back end, Ian Book rushed for 50 yards off seven attempts. Um, was there anyone, Jack, that stood out to you on run defense that, I mean, you could say, stake, you know, fought for their position that they may or may not have earned? Someone that you might feel is hard done by? <laughs> uh, listen, I'm going to go, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to call a player out here, and Good. I will try and be as positive as I can. In fact, I'm going to be extremely positive and it's probably going into our next segment a little bit. But I watched a press conference last night whilst I was eating my dinner and I was very much moved. It was probably the most moved I have, I have ever been uh, listening to, to, to a Charger speak. And that's from, that's Braden Fahoko. That press conference that he gave after he knew he'd made the 53-man roster, I admire the the way he eruditely was able to explain the feelings and he was empathetic towards all the players that have been cut. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what it's like. He's been cut twice now and he's finally made it. And that just goes to show the hard work pays off. And I think there's probably another couple of players or at least there's one um, who is sitting perhaps above him in the depth chart that's probably looking at the work that someone like Fahoko's put in and gone, geez, I've got to pull, I've, 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 got, to, I've got to step my game up. Braden Fahoko 
thank you so much for that because I thought it was incredible the way that you spoke. The way you spoke about the conversation with your mother and your father and your brother, fantastic. It really, it made my week. So thank you, Braden Fajoko. Well done. I can't wait to see you out in the field. That's, that, that's all I wanted to say on nice, that one. Man. Yeah, I agree. And I it was nice to, to, to see him give some insights into his relationship with the other edge rushers in the room and kind of giving him a hard time, like Sebastian Joseph Day in the, in the film room, but it's clear they formed a really tight bond. Oh, uh, yeah. Best buds. Yeah, yeah, and it does look, and I didn't mean to come down too harsh on JT Woods earlier either. You need to be patient with these younger players. And from that same position group, we're going to see the exact same thing with Otito Abonya. He mm-hmm. showed some good things on tape against the Saints, but then there was a play which I shared with you both, and, and listeners, you can see it early in the game. Cesar Ruiz, who's a starting um, lineman for the Saints, walks him back 10, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage in a running play. He just gets better leverage and just pushes him down with ease. Mm-hmm. And those little moments can probably be a little humiliating because no doubt the next day in the room your line group will go through each one of those plays and they'll circle you in front of your peers and talk to you about that play you need Mm. to understand that it's a necessary part of your process and journey and i think fahoko spoke beautifully about that jack Mm. i really agree and it's also clear he's not taking anything for granted he knows that making the initial 53, like we're about to discuss, means nothing. It can be a 24-hour affair. It can be yeah. two days. It can be two weeks. He knows he needs to continue working, and I think he's got the attitude to do just that. Yeah. I, I just think this is the this is our fifth, sixth pass rusher. He's standing in front of the media. He's not shy. He's not nervous. It was just so open and honest. I was just, I was gobsmacked. I, I had to stop eating my dinner just being like, man, this guy's bringing me to tears. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. It takes a lot awesome. to stop you eating dinner. That's for oh. sure. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Open the door there. <laughs> nah. Yeah, wonderful to see. And yeah, like the guy. Um, it's good to have him, well, on the, on the team for the moment. Um, tackling was a problem again in both mm. pass and run defense it's just concerning that we see it from guys on the field in these preseason games that are likely to be the depth pieces and our special teamers um just whiffing on tackles and yeah 12 That's of the them. last hey 12 missed tackles yeah. and this is kind of yeah. flowing into the other observations from the game so tackling was an issue and you're right you're not seeing your starters so you're wondering what to take from these games. You know, I'm watching special teamers here, but that's a slight problem when you're seeing that many missed tackles because those guys will serve a role on the team. For sure. I do have a question for you, actually, both of you, about whether you think it matters that the Chargers have gone 0-3 and in the preseason. You've seen the Baltimore Ravens, who are now officially on a 23-game preseason (laughs) winning streak, which is the other ridiculous side of the spectrum. But do you think... do you think it matters? Maybe Andy, you can go first. Do you think it matters that the Chargers didn't win a game this preseason? Does it bother you? Does it bother me? No, hmm. because I know what I'm watching and I know what I'm looking for and I know what is a win for this team. Uh, it's not the score. It's the output from the guys that they're testing, the, comp- the, the competitions that they're having at all the positions to find the right guys for the team. So for me, no, it doesn't matter that we're 0-3. I think we went 0-3 or maybe 1-2 and last year. 
but I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it really makes, makes too much of a difference. Jack, what do you think? Does it bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. I think it's just different philosophies, right? Um, if Khalil Mack wasn't the player that he is and the, the, I guess, the role model he is, if they were sitting out practice and, you know, wanting to get rest. It, again, I, I go back to what Braden Fahoko was saying. It's, it's clear that the development is in practice matches and is in, is in practice. That's where the iron's sharpening iron. When we get to our preseason games, it's more about those seeing those traitsy guys, those sort of the last sort of 10 to 15 players on the roster, show their stuff and let's, let's see how you've developed. I think it's just a philosophical thing. Staley's a great teacher. Um, there are some fantastic role models on this team for the younger players. The younger players aren't seeing, as I said, Khalil Mack just sit there being like just waiting. They're actually seeing a grown man come to work every day and going up. And I think Fahoko said something about Khalil Mack. That they were short on edge rushes in playing with the seconds and thirds. So Khalil Mack put his hat on and went out and played with them. Yeah. You know, mm. so they're getting they're getting tutored and mentored from the highest level not by guys that have earned their spot and are being cocky and walking around being like i don't need to do this every day they get in the building they're training so to be honest the the, the stuff we see on the networks couldn't really care too much other than looking at those um those traitsy guys and seeing how that translates to the speed of an of an nfl yeah game there's one thing that does bother me which is we're banking on this market improvement to our run defense this season. Now, it might be the case that that's going to come from Khalil Mack and Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. That's our hope. We all know that they won't play all of the snaps, either through health or you know, just shuffling the roster. Through this preseason, I do not have confidence in really any of Tillery, Fox, Obonia, or Fahoko to stop the run, Fahoko would be the closest. I think he does have skills as a run defender. Run defender, sorry, maybe very strong skills. But that's just one thing to monitor. I would have felt a bit better if our run defense wasn't quite this leaky, because it means we're an injury mm. away to being maybe a bit like we were last season. Reasonable minds can differ on that, Jack. No, no, you think maybe they'll just step up and be better. Oh, I, th I, th I think it's a again, it's a empowering philosophical thing, you know. Do you say to your top tier linemen and go, listen, we, we want to see something from you? They're going, well, we're doing it every day at training. So mm. I, I'd rather have a, as you said, okay, injuries perhaps, yes. But I still think we have... don't want to be a have, mansion built on mud. Yeah, but, but we haven't seen those interior defenders with Bosa and Mack on the outside. We haven't seen them with Kyle right. Van Noy. We haven't seen them with, um, mm. you know, y y your linebackers. We haven't seen Staley throw different defenses around. We haven't seen them with a Derwin James in the box. They, nope. Those guys, even if, you know, your Fajokos, those, your, 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 um, uh, your Tilleries, you walk so much taller and you stand so much taller when you've got these guys around you. When you know you've got B, Cs around you, you're like, okay, I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah, fair I, enough. I, I, I think there's a lot of mental, there's, there's, there's a lot of mental side to that as well. But okay. I can see where you're coming from. Before we move on, I wanted to say just one thing that maybe not everyone, it would, like it would stick out to them. But I got, not concerned, but when Hopkins missed his second field goal from 50, it's a continuation of a slight trend from last year. So I quickly had a look at some numbers. Because he nailed the first one straight through the middle. Get out the numbers. So this guy Give went to... Numbers. This guy, when, he's, uh, when he was within 
the 40 to 49 range last season, he was basically bang on. He's not missing anything. When he was 50 and beyond, he was two from five. So he's down to 40%. And then if you extrapolate to his career, his overall record in that 40 to 49 range is 82.7% of field goals, which is pretty good. From beyond, he's 50% on the nostril, 15 out of 30. And that is lower than equivalent good kickers. So this guy's got a pretty good kicker. His overall kicking record's 85%. He puts them through. As soon as he's 50 and beyond, he's a complete flip of the coin. Yeah, starts Mm. hooking and probably tries to put too much into it. Yeah. Yep, and I expect us to see that way into fourth down decision making uh, all throughout the season. Just something to be aware of, listeners. Good call. I like that. Good call, good call. All right, well, like we said, uh, I actually think that um, Chargers preseason football this year has been one of the dirtiest teasers of late. Um, watching the start of the game was nauseating as their their first dominated our fringe and practice squad guys and all the cuts. I'd like to actually get the percentage of snaps played by guys who got waived a couple of days yesterday. Um, but thank the big fella, we're eight days away from week one. Regular season football. And for that, we'll need a 53-man roster. So I'll run through the position groups and then th- throw to you guys. You can comment on how surprised... Um, we all were with the choices. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It was like a Neapolitan ice cream, but without the chocolate and strawberry. Um, so for the quarterbacks, <laughs> uh, Justin Herbert, Chase Daniel, and Easton Stick. Uh, Jack, go to the well, quarterbacks with you. Yeah, I mean, I said it death. before. Yeah, I said it before, uh, you know, don't mess with the quarterback room. Justin Justin likes his quarterback room, so we're gonna we're, we're gonna keep it like that. We're gonna keep it like that. Um, I don't think Chase Daniel will probably see this. Will probably be his last year with us, I'd say. And then we probably perhaps carry two with Stick and Herbert into and and beyond. That's uh, the only logical to... explanation, isn't it? That... Well, it has to be because we're gonna have to find some money because uh, you know Chase Daniel's still taken up. I think it's, it's well, listen. This is off the top of the dome. It's about four million. Is that how much he's being paid or whatever it I is? I hope not. So. Um, yeah, Alistair, anything on quarterbacks other than we, what we already know? No, we've done it to death. I mean, whatever will be, will be, right? It's the old, it is what it is. Uh, yep. they want three. You spoke about it well earlier. So I think on to the running backs. Let's just hope we're not having to test the third quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go to the wide receivers first. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer, DeAndre Carter, and Jalen Guyton. Uh, Jack, mate, pretty, pretty expected. Yep, pretty expected. Uh, I'm sure there's one that you're sad that didn't make it. Oh, yeah, but he's on the practice squad, so yeah, he's there. It's not the end of Mr. The world. Bandy, Handy Bandy. Um, yeah, I'd, I've fallen in love with him, and, and, and I hope we see him out on the field at, at some point in time, and chances are that we will. I think he's a great sixth or seventh um, player or wide receiver to have in the building. Uh, I can't, you can't argue with it. it. It was a natural, a lot of people have said, you know, he probably wasn't going to make the squad anyway because we look at you look at the quality of what we've got there, and for something that we were worried about before the Mike Williams signing, it yeah. is now possibly the strongest, or if not one of the strongest um, wide receiver groups. I'm going to say in the NFL. So, 
It's mm. a fantastic, and and I can't wait to see the development of Josh Joshua Palmer. We've said it before. Uh, he's this weird hybrid between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. He's got the shiftiness of Keenan Allen, but he's got the power of Mike Williams, and he's got he's got some speed on him. So I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to see them uh, catching balls from Herbie. What about you, yeah. Al? And this is the advantage of us doing our podcast a little later in the week, because I'm sure if we recorded mm. this 48 hours ago. We'd be saying, you know, competition didn't win out and Bandy earned his spot on the roster. The Chargers played the numbers. They would have done their due diligence and decided we're a decent chance of this guy making it to the practice squad and getting past waivers. And we don't care as much about him compared to other position groups. We're going to risk it. Turns out they were right. Your sixth wide receiver is going to have a limited capacity on game days anyway. Now, Kyle was making the point who we shout out quite a lot on this show because he makes a lot of good points. But he was making the point it might be prudent to keep him on the roster because you want to ensure you keep him because in the future we may lose Guyton to free agency, have to cut one of Keenan or Mike. So then you've got him in the building rather than off on the Patriots, you know, catching a la Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. Yeah, Wes Welker, but yeah. All's well that ends well. He's signed. We've protected him. He's one of our four protected players on the practice squad. So you get, uh, what was it, Handy Bandy for, for one, one more week, Jack? Far out. It sounds like Jack's been crying into his dinner and his cereal all week over yeah. this. <laughs> He's up and about. I am an emotional man. I'm an emotional man. Wheaties and tears. Oh. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Any of these yeah, look, plays you um, feel sorry for? Or? Uh, oh, look, I think it's the, the right sort of thing to do. Um, to keep these guys, I just, you know, there's obvious connection with Jalen Guyton, um, Carter's a vet, um, Josh Palmer's done great, and we've got a great one-two duo, so pretty happy with the, the five in this grouping. We'll move across to the tight ends. They named three. Uh, yeah. Gerald Everett, Donald Parham Jr., Trey McKitty. Al, I'll throw to you on this one. I'm sure there's going to be a good couple of, uh, yeah. Where's my boy? Points of view. Yeah. Where's my boy? Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to introduce you today as the tight end whisperer because you threw Stone Smart in your roster predictions when we did it far too early, and the next day he was in a moon boot. You sang Sage Serrata <laughs> song, and then boom, out the building. So yeah, yet in the end, nothing could be more dry or vanilla than what's gone on with this tight end group. We're coming coming out with the same group that we came in with. Notwithstanding, all of them were basically injured at one point or the other during the preseason. But I think what you can infer from the fact that we have not carried a fourth is that perhaps those three are ready and in line to play in week one. Because I dare say if there was any specific concern about those players or two of them, we may have seen a fourth retained. So I'm going to take that as good news, that those three are getting back to full health and we'll see how they go against the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, or you could take it as this is not a position where Staley believes we need to be particularly deep. There, there, there's, that, there's that as well. Or Lombardi yep. too. Uh, with the amount of weapons that we've got out of the backfield, I'm sure we'll talk yep. about in a second. And also um, out wide, you know, why do we need to carry uh, f- uh, more than three? Gerald Everett's still this unknown. Like we really still haven't seen him. So it'll be fa- fascinating to see. Um, heaps what, what of, he's got. Heaps we haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's going to be a completely um, different team. 
just as this is really random, but shout out to Donald Parham because apparently on the new Madden, he's yeah. got this X factor where he catches everything and he's causing a lot of people a lot of pain whilst playing I Madden. Did say so, that on so, so shout yeah. out to the uh, to the six eight two hundred and forty pound big man. Uh, can't palm. wait to see you back out there, man. Good on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm I was a bit surprised just because of the lack of availability of this group throughout the off season. And then oh, I watched Chase Daniel just toss a little reverse to DeAndre Carter and Carter got stuffed like two two yards before the line of scrimmage. Trey McKitty as the sort of in, like the immediate lead block just whiffed on two guys and just looked totally lost. And I'm thinking, awesome. He's probably our most relied on blocking tight end and doesn't know what a block was as if it popped up in his cereal. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a surprise. We did keep – we'll get into the practice squad briefly after we go through all these guys, but we've got one guy on the practice squad there. Um, not too late. All right, the running backs and fullbacks. We named five. Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, Sony Michelle claimed off waivers. Very exciting. And Xander Horvath, uh, special mention man. to Larry Roundtree, who was, yeah, my guy, Xander. Uh, shout out to Larry Roundtree, who was named initially, and then he got shown the door. So, bit of a bit of a fail from last year's draft pick. Um, but they Jack, kept him on the practice squad. Yeah, yeah kept he's him still, on the practice squad. He's there. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Um, I'll take... This is kind of transitioning from the perceived lack of depth, perhaps on the tight end in the tight end room. I think we're going to see Xander Horvath be a weird hybrid pass catching, blocking, you know, jumbo package mm. guy. You look at him; he's six three two thirty. Like he's not a he's not your typical five eleven or six foot fullback who's stout. This guy's got some pop. Um, and he's got the ability to, to to wiggle out wide when and short and wide when he needs to. So, you know, th- even though we might be short at that position, I think we're going to be seeing a bit of Xander Horvath. Because I didn't think we saw a lot of him in the in the preseason, it means that I have a feeling that he's going to be kept. He was being kept just in the in the holster of uh, of Lombardi a little bit. So I, I can't wait to see. Yeah, I can't wait to see what what he's going to be doing. Um, I won't jump on. It's early to call, but while you're on that, Jack, it's very early to call. Do you see him with the potential to be like a Carl Juszczyk? I believe he might be. I don't think he'll be as as speedy um, and and as quick as Juszczyk because he's just bigger. Uh, But I I think he's going to be very handy. Um, You know, there was that catch last year where Neighbors caught it. I think it was one of his only many, but sort of as a 15 or 20 yard pass on the, uh, it, was, it looked like he was going to go route down the sideline. If you can remember, can't remember who the opposition was, um, but just having that as your, you know, you got no Keenan, Keenan's covered, Mike's covered, uh, Palmer's covered, Everett's covered. Uh, you've got Eckler's covered. All right, let's go to Xander Horvath. Who's covering a 6'3", 230 guy? Route or something. Seriously. Like, yeah. like, or like, and you you're going to have Stephen Anderson last year where he exactly. kind of sneaks out on a streak. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wide open, thirty-yard chunk play, and yep. good luck to a slot corner or a or a or a free safety trying to tackle that guy. He's just going to yep. truck him. 
So yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's happening there. Um, Al, I won't take any more time, but uh, no, talk no. about perhaps Sonny Michelle. Yeah, let me. You've lined me up. I'm going to slap it right down. So what would you prefer, Chargers <laughs> listeners? You tell me. Larry Roundtree, the sixth round pick, who's averaging close to two, about two and a half yards per carry in his career. Or you bring in this guy, Sony Michelle, five foot 11, 215 pounds, ran a 4.5440, drafted in the first round from the Georgia Bulldogs, elite school, two-time Super Bowl champion, 208 carries last year for 845 yards for the Rams at over four yards per carry, 39 forced missed tackles, 21 explosive runs of 10 yards or more, averaged 2.87 yards after contact, had only one fumble last year. If you compare two different players across his career, Sony Michelle is averaging 227 touches per fumble. Josh Kelly, 57 touches per fumble. <laughs> mm. Really good in pass protection. So this yeah. is it. This is it, Chargers oh, yeah. fans. We wanted a slam dunk short yardage back. We've settled for Isaiah Spiller and what he might be. But this is the smart move. Isaiah Spiller is not practicing at the moment or just returning to practice with a sore ankle. He's a week rookie. You bring in a guy with championship pedigree who, and this is definitely now a theme, Staley's looking for guys who either went to these massive programs in college and are used to being around winners or massive programs in the NFL that have won Super Bowl. This guy ticks both boxes. I love this signing, if it's not apparent already. Andy, do you love it as much as I do? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do. I don't know if I, I did mention he was definitely on my list when we were going through free agencies. Uh, sorry, free agents at the running back position. Sony Michelle was definitely on my list. He's a guy that's caused us problems in the past. Um, and he's just, he's been, what I love about the running back position is just smashing guys, like loving the contact, the yards after contact. Uh, and his highlight package is yeah sensational. And you're exactly right. It's the complimentary piece to Eckler that we so dearly need that we're not really going to get from Isaiah Spiller this early on in his career. I just don't think we're going to see it. Um, or even if we do, it's just clever roster building, right? You, you, yeah. It's, it's yeah. insurance. For sure. It's immediate insurance. Um, so, where yeah, I, I love it as well. Where I was seeing... Everything past Austin Eckler is a bit... Uh, I just feel a lot safer now. Because um, championship pedigree, you're right. Everything you said, I, I just I agree with. It's, um, it's a great signing. I'm all about it. All about it. And, yeah, look, Larry Roundtree just never really proved it. I wasn't sure about the draft pick when it happened. Um, and, oh well, we've got him on the practice squad. So, without further so if- ado... Oh, I was just going to say, so if you're lining up in a two tight end set, you've got Everett, who's speedy and quick. You've got Donald Parham, who's 6'8". You line up with Xander Horvath in front of Austin Eckler, and you've got Mike Williams on the outside. What's going to happen? Who knows? Who the hell knows? And that's, I think, we've been so one-dimensional in, in really good ways, you know, because you, you want the ball in Justin Herbert's hands as much as possible. But I think the the... And it's not trickery. It's just trying to force the opposition defensive coordinator to second guess their groupings and going, what are we, what's going on here? That's yeah. what I think Lombardi wants to, to play around with. And to be honest, from a philosophical standpoint, I think it's great. 
guys of different sizes, different skill sets. Sonny Michel, yeah, he's, he is 5'11", 215, because Isaiah Spiller's 6'1", and 215, but Sonny Michel just runs with so much more power. And as I said, he's like a, bowl, he's like a bowling ball. But who can also catch? Don't think because he can also catch out of the backfield, which is which oh, is yeah. really. I mean, all of them can now seemingly catch. I just love it. Yes, it's... I know he got cut, listeners. He's been cut for a reason. But Miami runs that wide zone shit. They want fast runners who can get to the outside. Maybe not a great scheme fit there. So you know, come and join us. We run a little bit, bit more gap and power and man concepts, and you know he'll get those short yard um, short yardage um, first downs when we need them. Yeah, yeah and, he wants to, that we... and he wants to play with Herbert, not fucking <clears throat> Tua. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we've struggled with in the past. Is like third and short running plays, uh, converting those fourth downs, those fourth and short in the middle of the field or in our territory, um, third and fourth down at the goal line as well. Uh, we're we're so used to having to just reside to the fact that we're kicking a field goal when it comes to that sort of more often than not not always but we've also seen that translate into the preseason games where i think even we're just marcus may big stop big stop on roundtree i think at the goal line sonny michelle's gonna get you in he's gonna score he loves that it's bread and butter it's how he makes his money i'm excited to have him offensive line we took nine. We've we've got we named nine players. So the tackles: Rayshon Slater, Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton. First two, the starters. At interior, the predominant guards: um, Matt Filer, Zion Johnson, Brendan Jaimez, and Jamari Salier. The last there, I reckon, is probably the story of the off season. I think, from a draft perspective, for us, mm-hmm. um, we knew that Zion Johnson was going to be good, and he's just proved himself right. But quite little. Um, Diamond in the rough, Salia. And then centre, Corey Lindsley and Will Clapp. Uh, Jack, how do you see this? Any surprises on that list for you? Uh, maybe not surprises, but I probably haven't seen enough from Jaimez to be sort of excited. I thought he might have developed a little more. He, speak, he speaks really well. I think he's a, you know, he seems like he wants to, he's learned and his endeavours there as well. Um, and he's, you know, and he's learning from some of the best in the business. But yeah, I'd, I would have thought that he would be a few more steps ahead than, than where he's at. He's probably one of the, the, the weaker in the group. Storm Norton, we know he's a known entity. He's a, he'd be a swing tackle if we need him. He'll come in again on those, on those big, jumbo sets if needed as for an extra blocker or those goal line sets. Um, but not, not really. I, th- I think clap was interesting as well to be named mm. given some of the big mistakes that he made in, in all three games, uh, yeah. especially that, 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 that one there. But again, you know, we're in a position where we're going, you know, I reckon five years ago, we're going, Oh, we'll clap. Okay. He's our starting center. All right. <laughs> okay, we're just going to have to deal with it. All right. But we're not. We're talking about guys who are, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth there, which is great. Yeah. Al, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, I think the two at the back of that group, I agree that it's Hymas. Although I was praising Hymas two weeks ago, so I don't, he didn't have a great game against the Saints, but weeks one and two, I thought he he did quite well. So I think he's still worth investing in. I see enough there. Bit worried about what position he's going to play. Is it guard? Might he be more natural at right tackle? Because the body type mm. does not seem to suit the guard position. No. We'll see. But 
Storm Norton is now getting to that point where, okay, he was bad enough against the Saints, I thought, where there is a possibility they're looking for something better than that on the waiver wire. And I feel the same way about Will Clapp. I think those two, it would not surprise me if in the next five days there is a signing, either a centre or a right tackle, and we've actually released one of those two. That is maybe not a prediction, but it's something I think is possible. Yeah, I think Otherwise, the rest sort of a set in stone. Sorry, go, Andy. Uh, yeah, I <clears throat> I think Jaimez is... I, I tend to agree with Jack with just would have liked to have seen a little bit more development from him. Really struggled in pass protection, whereas Jam- Jamari Soyez seems to have really exceeded in pass protection. Hasn't quite got the run game yet. Big boy, big boy. Uh, but for me, he's above Jaimez on the uh, depth chart. Um I think there's still concerns that remain at right tackle and the tackle depth. And I wouldn't mind, yeah, Will Claps my other other weak link. So that will round out the 25 offensive players onto the defense. Edge, surprisingly three. Um, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack and Chris Rumpf. Jack. Without... Jumping the gun into the linebackers, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. And I did say a number of months ago that perhaps we might be seeing Kenneth Murray rush the passer a little bit. It's a very, very uh, short group with um, only Bosa, Mac. And who's that last one there? I've completely forgotten. Is that your idea, was it, mate? And Rumpf, yeah. Oh, could have been my idea. Um, But you've also got Van Noy that's kind of going to be in that group. Wasn't my idea, but a lot of people said, I think, Alistair, you said, oh, his body doesn't really think about it. So, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of happy that Staley came out and said that. Well, I've seen you listed a linebacker, Jack. I don't know why you're claiming (laughs) victory there, mate. Uh, well, I can. We'll see what happens in the preseason. Maybe, maybe we'll put a bottle of wine on that one. Um, yep. Great group, to be honest. Yep. Uh, easily, perhaps now with the improvement from Rumpf, one of the strongest edge groups in the NFL. Uh, and I'm very, very happy to see Rumpf there if either Bosa or Mac go down. But uh, Staley said something interesting in his press conference, and he was talking about. You know, when you're seeing these elite guys, these, these elite guys, they actually play over 80%, 80%. And, and these guys sometimes are the high 80s. These guys, they're, they're just so good. They're guys. So I don't think we're going to be necessarily seeing too much, uh, too many injuries from uh, from Bosa and Mac, hopefully. Um, that's, I'm sorry, Brandon Staley. That was an awful, awful impersonation. But he says guys, guys. He's, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the group and we'll probably be seeing Van Noy, um, and K9, um, on the edge as well. Yeah. Why don't we talk, go through the linebackers at the same time, Andy, cause there's a bit of, there are some high hybrid. Bands. Yeah. Then we'll jump back into the interior yep. defensive guys. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, uh, surprising to run on paper thin at this sort of group, because I think how good this grouping is, it will comprise a large portion in my opinion, uh, of this team's of this defense's success, um, and then you've named six linebackers, and you've got Kyle Van Noy, Kenneth Murray, who I'm I'm, I'm on board with you, Jack. I, I think that was a great idea. We should definitely get him rushing the passer more, um, and then you've got the the more sort of inside guys and special teamers on that group. So you are going to see a lot of kind of rotation. You are also getting a fair bit of pass rush from the rotational interior guys. So. You can blend a few of those guys in with the mix as well. 
Um, Al, were you surprised to see six linebackers named? We spoke a bit on the off-season, you know, when we saw Kaiser White leave, uh, we sort of thought, oh, linebacker's just not a, a staley valued position. So, yeah. you know, we don't we didn't agree with the Kaiser White uh, deal at the at the time. Yep. But we kind of just go, oh, okay, well, in, in Staley we trust. Let's yeah. say yeah. I take it as five linebackers. I do think Kyle Van Noy is going to play a lot more edge. He's only mm. listed there because there's concern about Tranquil's health and or Murray. But nevertheless, I think it is somewhat of a surprise that Neiman and Ogbong Bamiga both made the team. I did think one of those two might miss out. And I still think one of those two might give way to some other kind of signing at some point, either off waiver wires. Because look... Neiman did not play very well in the preseason, but he was the team's best special teamer last year. Ogbong Bermig is a bit different. He played poorly on special teams last year, but the staff seem to think he has some actual abilities in the defense used mm. in certain situations. Interesting group. It's not our strongest group, but I think it's an adequate group for how Staley uses linebackers. We know he asks relatively little of them. It's really covering the linebacker in the flat or if they kind of, um, run, you know, routes into the middle of the field. So I've got no issue, no qualms. If that's how they want to structure their defense, so be it. And it's good that there's some flexibility that a couple of them can play on the edge. As Jack said, it's either Van Noy or Kenny Murray or even Ogbong Bamiga himself who has lined, lined up outside the tackles before. So yeah, not a bad combined group when you view them as a whole. Yeah, and I think there's a clear direction from Staley that he wants defensive players to make to be making tackles on special teams and bigger bodies not your slot corners or your um or your third or fourth running backs I think I think that's probably what he wants Hmm. yep cool uh all right the interior defensive line six players Sebastian Joseph Day Austin Johnson Jerry Tillery I almost said Megan Fox Morgan Fox, <laughs> Braden Fayoko, and... Same, same, but different. Put on a bit of weight there. Uh, and Otito Ogbonia. Jack, your big men, your trench men. My trench men. I, yeah, I know there's boys. a name up there that you might have liked to have seen. That uh, was uh, big Joe Gaziano. Yeah, I, I thought um, Gaziano played really well, not only in the preseason and showed showed stuff in the preseason, but also last year coming in and really, um, you know, proving himself. Um, listen, he's not he's not going to be the greatest interior run stuffer in the world, but I thought he showed enough last year in some pretty tight spots. So uh, he is on the practice squad, I believe, yep. Um, yep. which is fantastic. So another plug and play guy. Other than what Alistair has said about uh, do we do we know what this defensive line looks like against the run? We don't really at an NFL game. Uh, we're just trusting that Staley knows exactly what he's doing. Um, you know, M- Morgan Fox making it is is an interesting one. He's another guy that perhaps might push outside a little bit as well, and 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 rush the passer because he's that little bit smaller at two seven five. So when you start to look at that edge group, you know, you've, you might actually be thinking, Staley might be thinking that he might actually be six deep in that, in that edge group. Foxy is what he was calling him. Yeah, Foxy, Foxy. Yeah, he's, Foxy's a guy, man. Foxy's a guy. Um, and I've already, <laughs> I've already you know? waxed, waxed lyrical about Fahoko. Um, Jerry Tillery. Let me, Jack, let me ask you a question. Let's address the elephant in the room. Jerry oh, Tillery has made the team. 
A lot of people on Twitter are upset about that. He didn't show up to practice after that. He didn't get the extension or the fifth-year option he was after. Did not play well in the preseason games. We didn't have visibility of how he went at joint practices and scrimmages, so maybe he did something there. How do you feel about him making the roster at the expense of Gaziano, Covington, Brown? Listen, first-round pedigree, big levers. Um, This is his fourth year. He's got the body that is almost prototypical. He's got the Calais Campbell kind of body with those huge, huge arms. And I think the way, again, this Fahoko press conference keeps popping in my head because it was so impactful for me, but the way that it seems that Sebastian Joseph Day um, and Austin Johnson and Mac are all keeping these guys accountable, there's not going to be a lot of room. If, if, if Jerry Tillery is not playing, um, they're going to tell him about it and Sebastian Joseph Day is going to tell him about it and go, oi, dude, you've got to do something. Um, yeah. We haven't. We, we we didn't see Tillery in the, in the preseason games with you know your, your Days and your Macs beside you. And there is a world where he becomes a very half-decent interior pass rusher because the offensive line has got to deal with that many other elite players. And he's on a prove-it deal. How about, so. how about the teaching perspective, Jack? How do you feel about it when you're leading a, a bunch of men and you've kind of preached competition as a determinative factor and, and merit? And if you rock up and if you try and you do well, you'll be rewarded and yet you have this player who maybe seemingly is being treated differently based on, as you said it, his draft status. How do you feel about that in terms of Staley's, if it's Staley's decision or maybe it's um, Spanos' son's decision, how do you feel about it from that perspective? So there, there I think, lies the heart of this uh, issue. And I wonder how much of a decision it is for Brandon to keep Jerry Tillery, I think. From a, if it was me... He hasn't, listen, I haven't talked to the guy. I don't know him. How do I feel about it? I I don't want to sit here and complain like everybody else because I think there's enough negativity in the world about uh, charges, pl- about players being cut and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Prove it, dude. Like, just go out there and prove it. Well, you've got, you've, now the ship is built around you. You've got it. L- come and show us your stuff. That's all I want to say. And that's what, that would be my messaging. Yep. That's it. That's all I really yep. have to say on that. And I'll just to put a quick bow on it. What I do think is acceptable is when you look at this group as a whole and think each has different skill sets. And in Tillery, who has never played next to Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack before, what you have is a third down situational pass rusher who, as you said, is six foot seven with those crazy levers. Is that more valuable than Joe Gaziano or Christian Covington, having at least one guy in your team who can do that? I think there's an argument there. You've got some run stuffers and then you've got Fox and Tillery who are lighter and can rush the passer. I get it. Mm. Yep. Yep. I think it's a well-balanced group of six uh, for me. And <clears throat> yeah, uh, look, I, I tend to agree with you. When you look at his uh, Tillery's attitude, it sort of seems like he's been gifted this spot so you can understand why uh, people have been coming at him. But... Jack's right. You got to you got to walk the walk because your talk's been rubbish. So mm. you got you got to got to do something. All right, into the secondary, the cornerbacks six, um, or do we want to do the the DBs as a whole? Yeah, let's do it as a whole. <clears throat> as a whole, right. yeah, I reckon. Ten in the ten in the in the secondary. So JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Bryce Callahan, Michael Davis, 
Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor make up the cornerbacks. Um, in the safeties, Derwin James Jr., fresh off a new extension, Nasir Adderley, Alohi Gilman, and JT Woods round out the 10th. So, Jack, do you want to start us with the cornerbacks, the the first six? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's a fairly tight group. Uh, I, I don't think there are any huge surprises other than perhaps Dean Leonard making it because mm. he hasn't had a great preseason. But, you know, he's going to be a special teamer. I think Jasir Taylor is going to be a core special teamer. Um, you've got your core there with Samuel, Jackson, Davis, Callahan. I think we're, you know, as I said, just as we've said, Jasir Taylor's got the speed. Uh, Dean Leonard's, you know, got some of those traits that were the, that we want. And yeah, good, good core of one of the deepest um, cornerback groups in the NFL, I would say. Uh, let's just hope JC Jackson gets healthy um, relatively soon. Al? Yeah. Yeah. Safety's yeah. Al? Yeah, Dean Leonard or Mark Webb. I mean, I, one of them was going to miss out. And they went with the guy who's got some injury concerns in Webb. And he ended up clearing waivers and signed to the practice squad yeah. anyway. Yeah. So win-win. I agree that... I mean, I would have been very sad if Leonard just got cut and we never see him again. Because I do think he showed something. He yeah. just looked like he was... You know, he's a seventh-round pick and he was struggling bit to get his water. head around. But the, a bit, yeah. Yeah, bit out of his water, but definitely deserves to be developed and nurtured with a really strong group in front of him. And there are no surprises really in the safety group. Other than, you know, the only surprise was Woods being a little further behind in terms of his development than we might have hoped. So now yep. there is quite a lot banking on Nazir Adderley having this breakout campaign that a lot of people are hoping that he has, myself included, and I think he has it in him. I like the DBs as a whole a lot better than this time last year. Yes, I agree, I, I agree with you. <clears throat> and it's quietly a position that needed to improve drastically for this team to succeed. Um, I think we don't talk enough about the need for Aloha, Aloha Gilman to do something. He's, you know, on the roster again. Come on, little little something. Show show a little bit of improvement. Um, but yeah, that'll that'll wrap up the defense with the defensive backs specialists: kicker Dustin Hopkins, punter J.K. Scott, long snapper, Pro Bowler Josh Harris. We don't need to talk too much about that. So as far or as our all. practice as far <laughs> as far as our practice squad goes, um, I'm a little bit surprised by the lack of I mean, look, it's all very tentative, isn't it? Um, the things for me, lack of offensive line depth there. Um, and that was my main concern. And maybe the tight end depth as well, or just the lack of Decent type and tight end depth. Uh, what are your thoughts on the practice squad, Jack? Shall we read out who we've who's signed to the practice squad? Yep. Yeah. Certainly. So we've got on the offensive line, Zach Bailey, uh, sort of tackle Zach Bailey and Foster Sorrell. Tight end Hunter Campmoyer. Wide receivers Michael Bandy, Joe Reed, and Jason Moore Jr. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball so far. Christian Covington and Joe Gazziano, defensive line. Linebacker Tyreek Maddox-Williams. Uh, outside linebacker Carlo Kemp. And the DBs, Mark Webb, 
Raheem Lane, Kimon Hall, and Michael Jacket. Um, so just to take over from bef uh, before what you said, Andy, the, the interesting ones to me are Carlo Kemp. Um, yep. we, Alistair alluded to him earlier and he popped <coughs> off the screen for me last week. And the exclusion of Jamal Davis. I tried to figure out where he's gone. Where, where has he too. gone? Who, who's he been picked up by? My understanding is he hasn't been picked up yet and nor okay. has he been signed to the Chargers squad. And there's room for one more signing. We've signed 15 okay. out of a possible 16 spots. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but but as a whole, these are guys that have been in the building. Some of them have been in there for 24 months. You know, um, there's familiarity with the offense. We're not trying to get too many people off of other uh, organizations' practice squads. So that all says to me that, you know, even though this is a 53-man roster, I would say that the practice squad, you know, you're trying to build that depth, trying to build that development, um, and, and it's great to see, you know, your Bandys, your Covingtons, your Gazianos, your Halls, um, and Joe Reed as well. I thought uh, he shares the same last name as me, and having a Jay Reed on the team is always a good thing. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair play. Absolutely. The only other player who I liked uh, in, in limited time during the preseason, I thought Tyreek Maddox Williams at a linebacker had a little bit of boom to him, a bit of oomph. Looked like he could actually tackle which we can't say about every linebacker on the squad. So let's see him be cultivated there for the year. And otherwise, it's good that we kept a lot of these players who had you know, done relatively well in the preseason and they get a chance to develop and be called upon if necessary. A lot of players in that list would be 50, top 53 calibre for previous Chargers regimes. I think well, it's so. a really good sign. Covington, Gaziano... These guys were on the 53 yeah. last year and we've come a long way to really build a what we hope is a deep playoff roster. They've done a great job. Chargers front office and coaching staff. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, going back to the Dean Leonard conversation, I think Kimon Hall was actually one of the guys that sort of played pretty well throughout the preseason. So it's, I'm glad to keep him uh, on the squad. All right, so while we talk a lot about how tentative the, the roster is at the moment... Um, do we want to have a look at any of the guys out, uh, waived from other teams or do we, do we want to just jump straight into, um, your segment, Al? I'm happy to do that. If we've looked at, had a quick look around the league at players who, uh, have been cut and could be signed, I'm, I'm happy to kick us off and name a couple. Um, oh, far away. quarterback Carson Strong waived by the Eagles, not saying mm. we're necessarily in the market for that, but. There are some people who had him as their favourite quarterback of last year's class, and absent the you know knee issues, he could have gone much higher. So he's sitting out there, although it's probably a moot point knowing what Jack has said earlier about how the team feels about the quarterbacks they've kept. Linebacker's an interesting one. There are a few names. Joe Schobert's been released by the Broncos. Kenny Young, released by the Raiders, who's played with Brandon Staley before. And Quincy Roche, waived by the Giants. If you wanted to add a player who maybe has more NFL starting experience, those guys have all played a lot. And someone like Schobert's better in coverage rather than the run. So there are the potential names there. I will give you either of you a chance to jump in before I just kind of list and throw scattergun names. Anyone in particular, Jack, that, that caught your eye? Uh, the only one that I saw that could be a bit of fun was Jay Tufele. I think mm. that's how it's pronounced. But he got picked up by the Bengals today. 
Um, you know, yeah. he. So if Tillery didn't work out, he was more your prototypical um, run stuff of five hundred at six three and uh, three hundred and five. Um, you know, the interior rush was there, but um, the Bengals have got him. So just uh, just another depth piece for that really strong um, defensive line for the Bengals. Yep. Uh, and you know the 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 big one that everyone's been talking about is is the Leatherwood um, mm. jettison by the Raiders, and he's been picked up by the Philadelphia. No, who's Bears. he been picked Chicago up by? Bears. The Bears. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of podcasts have covered about how unfortunate it has been for Alex Leatherwood, but what a what a great <laughs> that would have been awesome comes across to us, and we go, you beauty, um, you know, uh, and he and he ends up being okay. Um, but yeah, those are the only two uh, perhaps that, that, that I was looking at. Just for me, uh, tight end Steven Anderson just been waived by the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get him back. Um, Ooh, liked liked his input. Um, see more out of him than... I'm, I'm really down on Trey McKitty after what I saw on the weekend in that pass-blocking stunt. It was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. And Steven Anderson's one of my little... Gave him a shout-out when he left, so bring him back. All right, without further ado. Say, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, hashtag TDU mailbag. That's right, it is the hashtag TDU mailbag. Sorry, Kev Diego, you have to put up with me singing Sage Sarat from now till time immemorial. We have. Some questions. We've uh, put out the feelers to all of our listeners and we got some great responses. So thanks so much for that, everyone. And the first comes from Kev Diego himself, who asks, how do you think Trey Pipkins will perform versus a very strong Raiders edge group? Especially interested in Jack's point of view on this. I'm concerned that Pipkins is going to get blown up, screwing up his confidence. Jack, what do you reckon about that? Uh, fair enough. And history would say that, uh, what Max Crosby did to Storm Norton, uh, the last game of the season and all signs could possibly point to that. What I will say, however, is that you've got Zion Johnson, uh, next to him, which doesn't need to be hidden. And I think there's going to be a lot more help, uh, for uh, someone like Pipkins, whether that's Horvath coming out of the backfield to chip, whether that's a Sonny Michelle coming out of the backfield to chip, uh, whether you've got some tight end help that side. I think it's, it's fairly clear what they're going to try and do. I, I don't think the Raiders' interior defensive line is particularly strong. Um, but their edge rushes are, and we, we know our left side is going to be is going to be solid as a rock. So I think there are ways to. It's hot. It's hard to hide more than one player on the offensive line. Uh, but I think we don't need to hide Zion Johnson too much because he's going to have Lindsley next to him telling him what needs to happen in yep. those high pressure situations. I think we can hide Pipkins, uh, or at least support him better than we did with. Uh, Storm Norton and on Max Crosby. So great question. Um, I'm positive, but mm. I could see how it could go very bad very quickly. I'll tell you one reason why we should be positive, because if you do a bit of a number crunching on Pipkins, he does seem to be a different player, albeit in a limited sample size. In 2020, his pressure rate that he was giving up was 7.56% of snaps. So he'd given up 27 pressures that year. So that's, you know, pretty high. 
in the 2021 preseason, it's still 8.4%, too high. In 2021, during the regular season, that went all the way down to 3.66%. So he's more than halved it. And if you look at the preseason that he's just had, he had 29 pass blocking snaps, only gave up the one pressure. So again, you're mm. down at that 3.5% pressure rate. So you are seeing a statistical change. Now let's see what happens if you give him a lot more snaps. Maybe he blows back out to that, you know, 7 8%. It's all about we sample space. All mm. about the sample size, I know. Mm. So... Anyway, let, let's hope that it is not just fool's gold and he actually is an improved player. I'm uh, a little bit doubtful about it. Okay, our next question. A familiar name, Dom Lafontaine. Two questions, <laughs> in fact. We'll go the first one to you, Andy. How many right. games will Trey Lance start this season before he's replaced by Jimmy G? Oh, oh dummy. Not bad. Uh... Trey Lance, <clears throat> before he's replaced by Jimmy G. Uh, is it an over-under scenario, or is it like a, he's nope. getting benched by this by this? How stage? many games will Lance start? Will he start? Uh, I'm going to say six, and I think it'll be a, share, a bit of a shared Ooh. role. A bit of a shared role. Okay. The, the newly restructured Jimmy G, too. Mm. The, the newly restructured. Well, Shanahan knows what he's doing, and he's going, oh, I, can't, I can't do this all year. Yeah. So there you go, six. Okay, all right. I'm going to pivot, Jack, because we've got a few more questions. His, his other question to you is, as Jack watched the Jacksonville game last week, I want to know his thoughts on Travis Etienne. Will Etienne lead their backfield or will James Robinson, who's been a solid performer, be able to hold on to the lead back role? Uh, okay. I did watch that game. Uh, okay, let me put it this way. I'll break down both players from what I've seen and then I'll give my opinion. So I think Robinson is, is, is actually quite classy last year out of the backfield. He can catch, he can run, and, and is quite versatile. I, when I see, when I watch him compared to Etienne, though, I see more of a power runner than a finesse runner. Um, and he, but he's got really, really nice feet in tight spaces. Um, I see him more of more powerful than what I've seen from Etienne. Um, conversely, Etienne is that finesse type runner, lighter on his feet. And not to say that Robinson's not light on his feet. Uh, Etienne's jumps uh, are quick and they're sharp, and he and he glides and he does have that hesitation behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he likes Etienne likes to get around the outside of his his tackles, and I think Robinson tends to power himself through. I think both are quite similar, but as they can both pass and catch out of the backfield, but different in terms of their running styles. Um, uh, I, I, my prediction is I think Robinson stays the number one guy, but I'm not sure for how long. I might suggest that Etienne. As he gets up to NFL speed after being injured last year, he might start taking the field on the longer second and third downs, and Robinson will be your more bash and crash guy. Um, I, I also think that they probably want to support Lawrence as much as possible early in the season, and that continuity with the back is also quite important. Um, and they might look to run more than they tend to pass. But again, as Lawrence gets more comfortable, that, that might shift as well. So I'm going to say that's kind of, I'm sitting on the fence there, but I hope that gives Dom LaFontaine some, 
I think it's probably fantasy knowledge. Um, so <laughs> I hope that helps, Dom. Probably exactly I think Dom's also forgotten this is a Chargers podcast. He's just thrown out some Trey Lance and James Robinson chat. I hope the rest <laughs> of your listeners are still with us. But don't worry, because the next one is a Chargers question. And it comes from someone who so far has been a fantastic supporter of ours. His name's Wardy89 on Twitter. He is an Aussie, I think a Cronulla Sharks fan. So I assume he's a New South Welshman. So thanks so much for the support, mate. And while I'm at it, I'll also say thank you to another Aussie listener, E-Wing Fighter Pilot, who mm. asked the question about cut candidates from other uh, teams, and we covered that earlier. So thanks also for the question and the support. But Wardy89's question is this. With the new look offensive and defensive lines, which unit do you guys believe will be more dominant than the other this season? And perhaps this time we'll start with you, Jack. Oh, great question. That's a very, very good question. Statistics would say that with a quarterback like Justin Herbert behind the offensive line, it's probably easier for the offensive line to be higher graded. So I'm going to say that it's going to be the offensive line. I think the off our offensive line, the Chargers, is going to be top three in the league. Not followed, followed closely, I think, by... Our defensive line, but I'm going to say I'm going to say our, our our offensive line. Andy, what do you reckon? Oh, I think the the defensive line has so much more ground to cover, but there was such vast investment in that in the off season, like we saw the year before with what we did to the offensive line, bringing in Filer, Lindsley, drafting Rashawn Slater. I'm going to go against you and say the defensive line. I'm going to say we're, we're going to see an increase in pressures, hits, sacks, hurries, all those kind of um, pass rush metrics, and we're going to see a, just an improve on our run defense. So I think you'll see a more noticeable uh, change in the defensive line. Hmm. And they'll be more You know dominant. what I'm going to do with this one? I'm going to go legal style and break down the question. So the question is, what does it mean? What do you mean by defensive line? Are we including our edge rushes and the stand-up edge rushes like your Rumpf and Bozer and Mac? I'm going to say yes. Surely. And what do, you, what do you mean by dominant? I, when I think dominant, I think we're going to dominate you. And we're a pass-first offense. Our offensive linemen are back in pass sets about 67% of the time. When I'm thinking domination on the O-line, you've got these San Francisco and teams who like to run the ball a lot, like the Titans. Whereas the dominant players on this team are going to be Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa going rum, 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 on the quarterback. So this is going to be a, a more dominant defensive line heading into the season, in my opinion. So I hope you are happy with those answers, Vordy89. A couple more before we finish up, and it's our good buddy Kyle D. Dominicantanio, almost like he's trying to get another guest spot on our show. Are you just firing <laughs> rapid-fire comments for us? Kyle asks, sometimes the most talented team isn't the one that wins it all, but rather the team that matches up the best against the teams it faces in the playoffs. So that said, who, in your opinion is the scariest matchup for the Chargers to be paired off against in A, the AFC title game, and B, who do you not want to face in the Super Bowl from the AFC? NFC. I might NFC, start... NFC. Yeah, sorry, from the NFC. I might let you start with this one, Andy. 
AFC title, who don't you want to face? And Super Bowl. <clears throat> AFC title, who do I not want to face? Uh, the Chiefs would be the obvious answer, I think. Um, but leaning the with the gradient of the NFL, I think the, the Bills are the team to beat. So that would be the least... The team that I would least likely want to face. I think their their run game is so complete um, now, and with their quarterback who can use his legs the way that he can, their defense has improved. Um, the defense was already the defense was number one. It's got better. Uh, yeah, and in as far as the NFC goes. Who would I, if we made the Super Bowl, the team I'd least likely want to face? I think it's the Rams. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I think, um, not to be boring and say, oh, they won the Super Bowl last year. I think it's the Rams. Okay. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Jack? I'll take a, I'll go the AFC first, like Andy did. I'm going to say, even though we competed well against them, I'm going to say the Bengals. Yeah, they were my second. They're the team in the AFC that the amount of hoopla and hollering that would be around an AFC title game between Burrow and Herbert is huge, would be incredible. Uh, Both are very cool and calm under pressure, but the Bengals have been there before. So I, I think I, there's, a little bit of, there's a little bit of what I'd love to see rather than perhaps less fearful. But yeah, the Bengals. And in terms of the NFC, oh, listen, I have to go to the quarterback that has caused me and all of us, maybe just two of us here, the most pain and vehement anger in our NFL fandom and that would be the Bucks. I yeah. would I would oh, it, if we were beaten in the Super Bowl no. by Tom Brady <laughs> I quit, in I quit his last season I would I, I think I'd I Fuck think it. I'd run through a glass door and just I'd hope throw for my the best. headphones away Mike oh. would be smashed in half so that's oh. my answer too for that Jack it's not even to yeah. do with being scared to match up on them no I just no. do not want that match up <laughs> yeah. never want to have to like eat all the humble pie for years of hating this guy and all our friends would be laughed. I just could not take it. Left field answer for me on the AFC, I don't want to face the Baltimore Ravens. I was going to say that yeah. too. Yeah. After last year, they smashed us last year and they just their, their strength is kind of our weakness, or at least it was last year's weakness. They run the ball so well and they're well coached and the defense gets after it and caused Herbert some headaches. Yep. So yeah, I, I'd go Ravens. All right. Two, well, one question left, and then we'll end with something I'd say is more rhetorical. Uh, it's the second question from Kev Diego, who asks, what one Chargers player do you think will be the biggest surprise this season? One good, one bad. I will give you a couple of seconds to have a think about that, because there are a few different candidates, and it depends what you mean by surprise. Is it a surprise based on last year's expectations? Is it a surprise based on what you've seen so far in the preseason? I'll let Andy perhaps start with this one. One good surprise and one bad surprise. Oh, a surprise. That's a, an interesting way of putting it. <clears throat> it's not... 
Okay, I will say a good surprise, even though I, the way that the off-season's been trending, it might not be a surprise, is that Joshua Palmer plays a a good good role at wide receiver three. Okay. Jack, do you want to go a positive? Yep, let's go yeah, positives. Uh, yeah, so that was, uh, th- that was what I was thinking, and I was, could I... Could it, my my initial thought, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm taking this off you, Andy, but it, it was the Joshua Palmer good surprise, but that tied in with the bad surprise of the Keenan Allen drop off. I think hey, that's man. that's hey. that's what I was, and I and I hope Keenan Allen doesn't listen to this and think that it's going to happen. But it's, <laughs> um, but I I think I said earlier on a podcast, I said you know uh, Joshua Palmer has the ability to perhaps take that mantle off of Keenan. But I think that's an interesting dichotomy to watch um, yeah. and how that plays out in the, in the season. So that's my, that's my sort of positive, negative connected together in that weird switch. Okay. Maybe Andy, we shoot to you for your bad surprise then. Now, is this something that I think might actually happen? You can interpret the question how you want, sir. I'm concerned that... For all the excitement that we're bringing over with Kyle Van Noy, it's mm. on the field. It's not going to play out as uh, mm. as well as it might. It's a bit older. Yep, that's that's my take on it. For my okay, name. they're both really good answers. Uh, my good surprise is Kenneth Murray. His yeah. interview last week really told me he's on a path to retribution. Wants to make amends. So the expectation baseline is really low with Chargers supporters, he's a first-round pick. Yeah. So I think there is a chance he's a pleasant surprise this year, year and actually play exceeds our expectations, which are low. My bad surprise is Asante Samuel Jr. I'm just a little bit worried about a few things I've seen on from him, and we had the concussion issues. He's a second-round pick. He's a ball magnet. People are expecting he's suddenly going to hit the ground and have six, seven, eight interceptions. So I'm a little con- concerned that maybe Michael Davis just outplays him this year and Asante Samuel has another development type of year. Mm. All right. Uh, just to end the show, we got a rhetorical question from uh, one Milan Levy Stevens. <laughs> Can I please ask what the fuck Matt Patricia and Joe Judge have up their ass to get the Patriots offense into gear? I am worried. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't think we need to answer that. We don't want to give the Patriots any airtime. And that's uh, why he's know... been so quiet this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> he's never really, he's never really a chirper, but it's just been auspiciously more quiet uh, this year. Could I suggest that Matt? Could I suggest that Matt Patricia has a rocket up his bum because he's a rocket scientist? <clears throat> you could, yeah, possibly. Not bad. I like you it. Could. But the way that he's sort of built, you'd think it's more of a hot air balloon that's gone up and <laughs> can fight it out into him. <laughs> oh, that's a good. That's a good way to end the podcast. Oh, that's good fun. Well, there's our the 53 man roster. We're hoping it sort of who knows thing might change uh, the next time we we speak to you all guys. Um, we've got a week before. The season kicks off. We're going to preview the week one Raiders game next week and do another little bit of fun stuff. So thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next time. Uh, That's all from me. Catch you later, guys. See you guys.
Rivers back pedals looking, firing. He's got Floyd turning. Got it! Zigzag! 10, 5, high step, touchdown! San Diego! Woo! Good night! Good night to all!